inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. On Radio Western. And welcome to Outlook. Welcome to June. Brand new month here on the show. Hey, Kara, how are you doing today? Good. It is June. I don't know, are we saying when we were actually recording this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been quite a while since we've recorded the show from home. This is another pre-record from home and recording this back on the 1st of June, actually. So right at the beginning of the month here. And it feels kind of strange, Kara. I know we've done quite a few pre-records, especially since the pandemic, but it's just been, I think it's since early April that we did our last one with Mary Bell from Australia. So yep. it's, uh, it's interesting, but it's good to have options and... Uh, Yep. Nice to be able to bring you a brand new episode to kick off June. Just wanted to say once more, if you missed out on last week's show, definitely go look it up on the podcast feed, Outlook on Radio Western. On all podcast services, we spoke with Heather Hutchison from British Columbia. Performed a couple, she performed a couple of songs, which was really great and a lot of fun. So, so thanks everyone for tuning in today. Uh, yeah, 94.9 uh, Radio Western every Monday morning. But we're also, as a podcast, as Brian said, Outlook on Radio Western. Check us out. Uh, we're here to, today with a very special Outlook, hearing someone's Outlook on our show that we haven't yet heard. Um, but being that it's June, we're smack dab between two important dates, and this year specifically important. Well, this is going to be airing on June 6th, so Father's Day's coming up. And then yesterday, June 5th, if you're listening to this live, uh, is our a, a transplant anniversary, and I've talked about my kidney transplant on the show before. Brian and I talk a lot about blindness, but um, we've also had kidney transplants, and mine uh, hit the 25-year mark, or will be, on June 5th. So, ooh, I was gonna maybe I thought about leaving that as a teaser, like we are celebrating a big 25th anniversary today. But I guess I guess we're gonna be talking about it anyway. So, you yeah, can, you can let our listeners know. Yeah, but it's a it's a big a big anniversary for for Carrie and our guest today that we'll be getting into throughout today's conversation because. You know, kidney transplants are, are a thing that we both, we both deal with as siblings here. We both have um, kidney disease and we've both had transplants. I've had two. Carrie's been lucky to, to only have to have one so far. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing because it's, you know, kidneys don't last forever. Sometimes people might, who don't know a lot about kidney transplants might think you get one and that's all you'd need for the rest that's of your, your life kind of thing. Your but, new kidney, yeah. And it is, yeah. but it's not, it's not your own. So, you know, there are issues around that. But if you get a live donor, and especially if someone in your family, it does increase the odds that things will, will um, be a better fit and work, work longer, but not necessarily, because your second transplant's been doing well, and, and that was um, not a family member. So, But I'm, I'm not up to 25 years yet, though, so we'll, no, no. we'll, we'll see. But, but you'll get there. Crossed. So we've had from our family on Outlook Care before, we've pretty much had everyone. We haven't had um, in-laws yet, and we're still missing. We've had one of our um, nieces and nephews, but we're, we still haven't had the other niece and nephew on the show yet either. But there's one other immediate family member we haven't had on, and uh, we really wanted to change that. And we thought this month with this big anniversary and Father's Day was, was the perfect time mm-hmm. to have our dad on, on Outlook. So uh, welcome, welcome, Dad. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on Outlook today. Well, you're welcome, and thanks for inviting me. And you're one of our biggest fans, and we appreciate when you listen. Uh, but it's obviously different to be on the other end of it, isn't it? 
Well, it certainly is. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's easier to listen to, uh, on the radio and uh, think somebody else is nervous or not sure what to say. But uh, it's uh, good to come on the show. I know you had your mom on there a couple of years ago already. I think shortly after your show started, I think so. And I know you asked me before, and I've always been kind of leery, but uh, but uh, I'm happy to do it, obviously. And uh, yeah, and she been, only got a, she only got a half hour, and you're getting a whole hour, aren't you? Lucky? That's right. I never thought of that. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That was a half-hour show back. Uh, was that a couple years ago already? I guess. Eh? Yeah, it was twenty. It was twenty nineteen. Now, I guess it was around Mother. It was Mother's Day of twenty nineteen, pretty much that we had a, a mom on. So, yeah. So yeah, it's hard to believe that that was over three years ago now. So, we want to talk today about Dad and get his outlook, and then talk about um, the transplant experience. It was so long ago now, but uh, it's worth remembering uh, for sure. So, um, let's sort of go back though, like we like to do with first-time guests. Um, so. We, your your dad to us, but your your name is Robert or Bob, Robert Bob, um, and maybe tell us a bit about where you grew up because I'm actually living now, just like a block away from where you grew up. But um, tell us a bit about your childhood and growing up here in Woodstock. Well, my parents came over from Europe a few years after the war, and uh, they lived in Quebec for the first year. Then they came to Woodstock in like 1950, I believe, 1951. Uh, I had uh, a brother and his two brothers that were born before me in, in 1951 and 1952. I was born in 1955. My dad was a miner when he first came to Canada, and when he came to Woodstock, uh, he um, worked as a bricklayer for a couple of years. He uh, bought himself a piece of land about a year after he got here at all, which is basically just a block up from where you live, Care. Mm-hmm. And uh, he built his own house. He was a bricklayer, so he built his own house. So I was born in the house in 1955 with my two older brothers, and uh, we had a good, uh, a good life. But you, had, you, had three, you have three uh, half-siblings, right, or siblings? I do, yes. Uh, uh, my, uh, my mother, your grandmother, was uh, married the first time in Germany during the war, and she had a, a daughter and two sons yeah. <laughs> during the war. During the and war, that must have been a lot. It was <clears throat> very, uh, I'm sure it was very, very tough. You know, it was a, it was a ter- terrible time. My parents never really wanted to talk about that much. I never really learned much about it when I was younger. Uh, I knew some of the basic facts about this, but uh, the war experience, I don't think, was, you know, too pleasant to talk about. And they didn't want to, uh, didn't want to delve into it too much at all. So, you know, I learned bits and pieces, and I probably learned more after my, after your, my dad died in 1994 about some stuff from my mother when she started reminiscing. Mm-hmm. My dad was really tight-lipped about it. And, and part of what our problem is that myself and my, I don't think my, my two brothers never really asked my dad, but we didn't think he wanted to talk about it. So I don't think, you know, this was kind of one of those where, you know, we, don't, we didn't ask, he didn't want to tell. Eh? So, yeah, it's like, don't ask, don't tell. It's, 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 t- it's too bad because you can tell that there's a lot of trauma, in, you know, during a situation like a war, obviously. And then the idea that, that they had to come to Canada, you know, that wasn't any small thing either. And to start over in a new place. And of course, we're settlers. And so you're first generation born here in Canada. But yeah, like, I don't think that's a, I think that's a pretty common thing with people who live through war. And, and then often their kids just get this feeling from them that they, they don't want to talk about it. So they don't ask. Yeah. And, yeah. And we never, and I, I guess, I, at least myself, I'd have to ask, you know, my two brothers, how much they ever did, but I don't think they did either. Yeah. Uh, they discuss it stuff that day, you know, 
my parents, my dad knew some languages because my dad was actually Polish, but he was born in France. And then during the war, he was forced into forced labor by the Germans, the Nazis. And my mother lived in, at that time, Czechoslovakia. And uh, her husband uh, went off to war and uh, she kind of lived with her mother. Her, also, her father was also fighting for the Germans. But during the war, they had, she had three children and uh, lived with her mother. And they, you know, it was, it was tough times for them at all. Eh? They, like anything in war, you don't, you know, you don't eat very well. You don't, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's very traumatic. And uh, after the war ended, she broke up with her first husband and they, they eventually divorced. And in 1948, she met my father, uh, her husband, her, her second husband and stuff that day. And uh, they got married and they couldn't live in, in, the, in, this, in Germany after the war because my father was not a German citizen or a Czech citizen, which is part of the Germany there. So the government would not allow him to stay there. So he had to, he had to leave. Yeah. And he had three choices at that point. It was could he, he could have gone to England, Canada, or or the United States. Mm-hmm. And he chose he chose Canada. But the other tough part is that, of course, my mother was divorced. She had three children, and the youngest one was was born in 1945, just before the war ended. And uh, for some reason, she asked her first husband if he could she could take him to Canada, but not the other two. I don't know why. He thought maybe it'd be easier. And the story I get is that he said, either you take all three, you don't take any. Yeah. It's stuff that I can't even imagine. And, and that's yeah, one, one of that thing in particular, I hadn't, I didn't talk to Oma. So to Brian and I, they were Oma and Opa, um, yeah. dad, dad's parents. And uh, yeah, we didn't hear much about that as much. Uh, you hear more about, you know, yeah. I, you could tell with, you know, this intergenerational trauma that does happen, these things get passed down. She always, well, she always wanted us to eat well, because probably she knew what it was like not to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things, like Carrie says, it's it's it is really hard to imagine and it being a different time and all of this stuff. And as far as the as talking about these these difficult things it you know, while in, in a lot of ways, it is unfortunate that you weren't able to talk about this more at the time with with your parents. It's also we do always realize that it was a different time and people, you know, opening up about these things and Carrie, you already touched on that, but uh, um, as well. But it's a, it's a common thing, especially in that generation. And even today, it's hard for people to open up about a lot of things. And we need to keep talking about things more and more because, you know, it's, it, I get that it's hard, but it, it's nice to see at least that times have changed a bit. And these things are being talked about more because it's like anything. If you, if you don't talk about things, then they're just kind of bottled up inside. And, you know, it's everything, <laughs> everything went okay and everything, we're all lucky and everything. But it's just, it's, uh, would have been nice. It's nice to have that open communication with, with, uh, with family. So. Plus, another thing, Dad, that happened is that, like you said, you were saying there, your, your father knew a few languages at least. And, you know, I often heard um, Oma on the phone with, you know, her cousin in Germany, but they didn't teach you other languages because I figure it was because, do you think, Dad, because they were in a new country and they were just trying to fit in here, you think? Yeah, I think so. My dad, I believe, wanted to make sure he could speak English really well. Yeah. He wanted to fit into the country. My mother spoke, of course, German. My father, because he was born in France when he was young, when he was born there and uh, had obviously Polish parents. So obviously, he understood Polish. He obviously learned French and being taken by the Germans uh, when he was about uh, 14, I believe, into forced labor. He obviously would be able to pick up some German. 
So he kind of learned, you know, those languages. And of course, you know, when they came to Canada, my mother never spoke Polish, so I never heard Polish at all, other than when my dad would talk to some friends if I was, you know, young and would go with my father. Yeah. But I never heard, obviously, them speak Polish, and I never heard them speak German because German obviously wasn't my dad's first language. So, and because he wanted to just concentrate on German or in English, he didn't do that. Now, in years by retrospect, I wish he would have. I wish they would have. Yeah. Because I wish. Well, I'd- again, I think I think sometimes too that that ties into just. Culture and country where, of course, you're going to need to learn, want to learn English if you're living here and that's the, the main language that's spoken. But it is this whole idea sometimes I think about, oh, we're in this country, we have to be like everyone else. And of Assimilate. course, we talk, we talk on this show a lot about everyone wants to fit in and, and be able to fit in with everyone else and not stand out and everything. So we try to do that by not being different and sometimes, but in a way that sort of takes away from the, the, the thing that's amazing about, about a multicultural society where you do have all these different cultures and you learn so much from different perspectives, whereas if, you know, but at the same point, we, we realize it was at a different time and it's, it's hard. It's, it's, I can't, I can't imagine it myself. So. And I'm sure lots of, of my parents' friends did speak the language in their home and their kids did speak, you know, right. German or, or Polish. So they did learn it. It was just the way, the way my parents did it, I guess. Uh, and uh, we didn't. And I, I wish we would have, but I can't blame. Yeah. I can't blame yeah. my parents for that at all. That was just the way they were. You know, it was, it was a tough time at all. Eh? They went through a lot. You know? yeah. Hard to imagine. I, I can't imagine. I, I tried to, you know, growing up to imagine what my parents went through at all. Eh? Even just coming to Canada, my, my mother and father got married March 22nd, 1949. Within a week, my dad came on a boat by himself. And uh, my mother was going to come for about three or four months later. Boats. So he came to a new country by himself. Ended up in Sullivan, Quebec. And uh, because his father was a miner, that's what my father chose. He could have chose to become a, a miner, a farmer, or in, in the forestry in Canada when he was assigned here to, to, for, for a job. Because eh? he had a job before he came here at all. Eh? And he chose because, and that'd be the last choice I would take. Yeah, I'm not, had, go- I'm not going to. If I had to take any of those three choices, I think the mine yeah. was, was, a, was gold mine, gold mine in Sullivan, Quebec, which was in the northern part of Quebec. And my mother came later that year. And of course, you know, now she comes to, Quebec and it's the winters are cold when she gets here and uh, yeah, she doesn't yeah. speak French at all of course and of course around there is all French you know so she had a tough time too at all missing I'm sure her you know leaving her you know her, her, her mother and her father and her, and her you know their children yeah. could not have been a tough you know could have been anything tougher than that I think I can't imagine but then they came here to Woodstock in Ontario and they settled down and like you said that house was built and so you were the young you were the youngest though so. Yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting that my, my dad here and, and I have something in common because we're both the youngest. I'm the youngest sibling in, in our family here. And then you, dad, were the, were the youngest here in Canada at the, at the very end there in the, in the 50s. So, What was it like being um, the youngest child growing up? What kind of kid were you? Do you remember? No, I was, uh, if you asked my two older brothers, they would call me, you know, spoiled little brat, stuff that day. And I was probably the mummy's boy, stuff that day. And I was, they probably felt I was treated better than they were, stuff that day. I mean, I think we were all treated well. My parents were, who looked after us, who looked after us quite well. But I think, you know, like anything, you know, a lot of times the youngest child is the, and because Mike and Jim, my two brothers were only a year apart, and I was uh, three years from my, from Mike, the second child. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a gap in age two at all there. So growing up, Mike and Jim had their own room. Yeah, they shared a room and you got your own room. They shared a room, room. So I had my own little room. So I think that they resented that, I'm sure, in a little bit. You know, that 
why does the, you know, the baby brother get the room? But, but because they were two years apart or a year apart, right, they were just closer. That, that's why they had the room, you know, so. In dad's case, maybe dad, Oma, Oma, maybe there's also maybe sometimes a certain attachment, especially with her background. Um, if there's loneliness still there or whatever, um, then sometimes the mother will sort of really take care of the youngest child because she, he is the baby. And yeah, it did sort of happens that way. But uh, yeah. I'm sure you felt like, you know, you didn't quite fit in with your older brothers either. So it's kind of tricky. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I can go back, like I said, my, my mother decided if she came to Canada, when she came to Canada, she wanted to take just the, the youngest child. So that kind of just what you're saying right. there. Yeah, another so, thing, yeah. And her husband said, no, you either take, like I said, none or you take all three. And she, I guess they were too scared to take all three, I guess. I don't know the reason why. They never confessed that reason why. And that was pretty tough because she had a hard time the rest of her yeah. life dealing with her uh, three three oldest children right my half uh, siblings stuff that day because i'm sure they had lots of hard feelings from my mother leaving them you know even though you know her first husband her you know divorced stuff that day and separated it was still pretty tough they go on especially going this far right across the yeah. land we've had both of our, our siblings care on on this show kim and paul on family day a couple of times last last couple of years here and it just you know we were we were so close and so all together here in Canada and had such, you know, in many ways, quite a privileged life. And so it just it is so important, I think, to, to talk about this stuff and learn about where, where our, our history comes from and our family history here, because it's, you know, it's, it's such a different experience. I can't, I can't put myself in that position, but just to, just to remember how close we were and to realize that it's tough for, for siblings and families to, to always be super close and there's so many factors and... Yeah, so I mean, you went to high school here in town, the same high school we would end up going to. Uh, you know, so and I'm there's a certain comfort now that I live in this neighborhood because I do feel at home here because I've you know all my life I've I come to visit Oma at this house and and to think of you guys growing up there. You know, it's not, it wasn't a big house, but it was it was it's very solidly built and it was always a fun place to hang out. Um, how about you? So after school, you did you? have many jobs after school you you ended up working at woco is where you met mom so we, you know we wanted to get to that because sort of that leads to us i guess and transplant eventually here on the show today but um yeah tell us a bit about finding mom and f so what led you to her kind of after getting out of high school i did go to college for one year that didn't work out for various reasons uh when i quit college stuff that my dad obviously said you gotta get a job as soon as possible i got a job very quickly Within a month, I think at at Woco, as a as a trainee to work up through actually in a management management position stuff that day. So this was in 1974, October 1974, when I was hired by by Woco. And obviously, I, I saw your mom, you know, in the store over over the you know the time, and uh, and uh, it was coming to the the fall of 1975. My uh, it was our annual Christmas di dinner and dance at Woco. And a couple of the ladies there said, uh, you, you got a date, you're coming to the, the, the dance. And I said, uh, well, no, I don't, you know, I, I was somewhat shy. I think I, I wasn't really an open going person like my two older brothers stuff that day. So I said, not really. And they said, here, we got a girl here like that. Why don't we uh, set you up and, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, you ask her out. Like and I kind of got up the nerve and, and, uh, and I asked uh, your mom, uh, at that time, uh, she wanted to go to the Christmas uh, dance, and she said, uh, sure. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, we had it earlier that year, so it was in, sometime in, in November. So so um, it was on a Saturday night, of course, and uh, I 
to, took your mom to uh, the dance and the dinner dance. And uh, I guess the rest you could say is history. You know, we dated for uh, quite a few years and, that, and, got, uh, and got married in 1979. I was going to say, it's kind of this, Brian's relating you both young as child, but I'm relating that that's exactly how your daughter, um, my, our sister Kim, met her. Um, that was their first date, I believe, was like his Christmas work thing. So this <laughs> is a tradition. Yeah, I'd forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah, that's, that's what ha- how it happened, eh? So. And you also talk about you talk about yourself being um like kind of kind of shy and not the most outgoing. And I think that that might sort of reflect in our family overall that we're we're because you're the you're the same. I think to where like like me, if if I'm really comfortable around certain people or people I know or in a smaller group, I can talk like like someone's ear off. But but I am I do feel like quite shy and sort of nervous around you know, in big crowds or around p- certain people and stuff. And I just think that's, that's one of the traits that we sort of got, which I don't, I don't mind. I, I, I like, I like that kind of thing, but it, sometimes it can be, can be a little tricky when you're trying to get out there and, and meet people and stuff. And for sure. I, you know, I, my school years were up and down. I had some good years where I did okay academically. And, and I had a couple of years at my first year at high school and I had a little bit of tough time and I was shy and I never had a lot of friends stuff that and then back in grade 11 and when it was at grade 11 they uh, i switched courses subjects it was a lot different back then back in the 70s how, how they did the courses and uh and i tried to live more in the last two years and and met a couple of good friends and all that uh, i felt more comfortable i think and i was, ha- I was happier academically right? when you're not happy mm-hmm. when you're doing something uh, academically and and uh, don't have a lot of friends i think it really it's really tough on yourself that day but the, my grade 10 11 12 years were pretty good mm-hmm. so and growing up with, you know, my two older brothers, right? You know, they, they were good brothers, right? But, you know, like any brothers and sister, or sister, we, you, you fight, whatever, that, and you, you, know, you get mad at each other for whatever, stuff that, eh? but, uh, you know, overall, we had a, a, good, uh, a good life. My parents worked hard, yeah. But they worked hard and stuff then. They looked after us and they, they loved us. And, uh, and that's you know, what you, you got that from them because you and mom have worked hard over your lives, too, to give us all that we have and all that you've have there now so not 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 the sugar coat my parents you know had like i said so i think a lot of times some difficulties you know if their life right stuff that so my, i know uh, we didn't always get along with my parents they, my my dad had older views stuff that day i i remember my brother my one brother had real long hair back in the 70s and and that's when you know that kind of thing was changing and stuff that in high school and uh my dad had a hard time adjusting and uh he uh one time said he kept bothering my brother to say, get your haircut, get your haircut. Mm-hmm. So one day my brother went to some of his friends and uh, made a bet to those guys. They didn't think he'd do it. to shave his head. He came home. My dad saw his shaved head and my dad went, oh my God. And uh, he never bothered Mike about that again. What did I ask for? Yeah. <laughs> what did I ask for? Stuff like that. I, and, and Mike, Mike was that kind of a guy, my, you know, the, my second Brother, that you know, you know, you challenged me stuff like that. Here, I'll fix you, Dad. You know, so there was some controversy. I mean, you know, my dad was an old school guy. You know, back in the older days, and and uh, so, but uh, he loved us all, and yeah, you know, oh yeah, and he lived till nineteen ninety four, like you said earlier. And so Brian and I got a little bit of time with him. I got ten years, uh, and so you know, your memories uh, aren't the most expansive if you only get that many years with a grandparent, but it's. Well, I know that your your grandparents were obviously all uh, in Europe and the ones that were still alive over there. And uh, 
And but I remember I know one of your ear was it your your Oma uh, whatever would always always send you gummy bears a certain brand of gummy bears right? Yeah, back in those years, right back in the sixties, they would, she would always send parcels. Usually they were care, uh, care package like parcels. Once we know on Christmas, and I think maybe she did, might have done another one. And she sent you know tablecloths and different things that for for mom, and she sent us candy and stuff that she could send and stuff that day. And that's the the most contact I ever had with. Right, I never ever met my father's parents. They both at this time had moved back to Poland after the war. My mother's father, he passed away in February of uh, 1955. So I did not even know him at all, of course. And the tough part about it is that she got a letter from, uh, from over in Europe, stuff at A. And he said he was going to come to visit her father, stuff at A, as soon as he got a chance, stuff at A. So she thought, as a letter come here, he's going to come to visit. But of course, it was a, a death notice from his. Her, from her brother, stuff like that, saying that uh, her father had passed away. And it was obviously a tough time for her, of course, stuff like that. This is before I was born, so I, you know, I didn't know about this at all. But, you know, so that was, another, that was another tough time for her at all, being in a far land, stuff like that, and not being able, and, and she never went back, of course. You know, they didn't, didn't have the resources to go back and stuff like that, and the money, stuff like that, so she couldn't go back. So, so that yeah, was and of course, time. there was a lot of, like, st- all, the, all the upheaval after the war there in, in Europe. For sure. And, yeah. uh, but so the first time you guys made it over, how old were you when you went back? I was, I was so seven. I, I wouldn't have turned eight till November. It was the first time she'd gone back. And, um, so she was, she, I remember getting on the plane and getting off the plane and how excited she was. She almost, uh, I felt almost, she almost going to push me down. This is the way with the olden years when you would, you would, the plane would land and you'd be able to get off out on the runway and get right. there and go towards the. The, the airport stuff that day. So I remember her so excited because she hadn't seen her mom for such a long time at all since 1949. So she yeah. was really, really excited about going to see her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like she pushed somebody down the, down the stairs to get there as fast as she could and all day. So and that was the first time I met her. Of course, I didn't speak, you know, German uh, and uh, neither did my, you know, my grandmother, my Oma did not speak English, of course, neither did her brother, my uncle. So it was a little tougher that way, but you know, we uh, we had we had a great time. We were there for about uh, a month of that day, and we did some touring mm-hmm. of Germany and met friends, family, mm-hmm. but only uh, only the my mother's side. We never, of course, at that point, uh, quite a few years then, mm-hmm. Poland was communist, so we never did go see her, my father's side of the family. Yeah. And the tough part about this, and of course, I'm only eight, basically, no, I'm not quite eight, not even thinking about her two sons that are in Berlin, Germany at this point. Yeah, you wouldn't know at that age. I didn't know them, but but she never went to visit them at all. So she never saw them either that time. Right. Going back, which I forgot, is about about 1960. My sister actually did, sister did come to Canada. She wanted to come to Canada to to yeah, and and trip like her mother again. And so she did come to Canada and stayed here the rest of her life, where the two sons, my two brothers, uh, stayed in Germany with their father for the rest of their lives, stuff that. And I met both of them. You know, a few times, uh, my youngest, uh, the youngest one, Peter, I met him quite a few times. My other brother only saw him a few times. So I wasn't as close with him as, uh, as I was with Peter. Yeah. And uh, it, it was tough, though. I mean, coming to Canada, you know, with no family. When I met your mother and I met her family and I thought, you know, she has brothers. She has, she has uncles and aunts, cousins. Big and family all around her, yeah. Yeah, family all around, and I'm in Canada, you know, with my, you know, four other family members, and that's it, you know. And then, of course, my, my like my sister did come later on, but 
she and my mother had a difficult time. They never got along because of the, the strain. And eventually my sister, about a year after she came to, Canada, to Woodstock, uh, she moved to Ottawa. And uh, over the years, they had a strained relationship, even though they were, you know, only six hours apart, you know. So I found that very difficult, right? Yeah. You know, being, uh, you know. And that happened, that happened the rest of their lives. That the, 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 my, my sister, mm-hmm. my two brothers, and my mother had a tough, a tough goal, you know, because of, I think, uh, the psychological, uh, what happened, you know, of uh, their life. Yeah, but your, your older sister was, like I said, intrepid, like her own mother, like, you know, taking that adventure could have, could have, couldn't have been easy especially either. Like, if you saw my mother and my, uh, my sister, especially in, you know, as they got, as my sister got older, that they were, they were, they looked a lot alike and all, eh? and they had the same personality a lot like stuff that, eh? and, uh, yeah. Uh, it well, was, it also makes me, this all makes me think a lot because it's like, we've talked to Carrie on this show that how, how fortunate and lucky that we are that. Our, our parents have stayed together and we have had, you know, all this family Stability. close to us. And it's, yeah. but I think this happens, this is quite common, right? Where one, maybe one side will have more of a closer family that is, that is around, or in this case, in the, in the country, whereas some, some people only have maybe a bit of family around and, and aren't, aren't, uh, aren't as family uh, connected in, the, in that way. So it's just, it's, it's really amazing, I think, sometimes to see those people like that come together, someone that maybe has more of a, a bit larger family around here and then someone that maybe doesn't or has family in other countries and stuff to be able to bond together and, and bring both of those experiences together. And that's something about our parents that sometimes I don't even think about it as much as I should. The fact that you did come from such a multicultural kind of family there. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting for me to think back on all of that. So for anyone who's been listening today, you, you're tuned into Outlook on Radio Western. We are speaking with our dad for June here, as it is Father's Day coming up. So happy Father's Day to everyone out there. And I think we're going to take a quick break now on Outlook, but then we'll be back with more of our chat with our dad, Bob Kajewski, here today on Outlook. Outlook. Radio Western. Welcome back to Outlook. You are listening to Outlook with Brian and me, the hosts, like usual, but we're here uh, to celebrate in between June 5th and I guess uh, Father's Day, two celebrations in our family this month. Happy Father's Day, Dad, I did want to say, and happy kidney transplant anniversary. Uh, We're going to get to that here in the second half of the show. Uh, Dad and I uh, have that experience that that bonds us even more that we already were as father and daughter uh you know but um we were talking before the break about your family you know your history and and uh we're gonna get get into your life with mom now a bit more uh i mean we could spend a whole episode talking about how the summer you guys got married actually you know some of us who are listening locally might remember or know about the tornado that ripped through i guess oxford center here and and was part of Woodstock, so you yeah, you, it always you live through that too. It always crosses my mind because there was a there was a, a storm here in London a, a couple weekends ago, and it was quite windy. And I think they said like a couple tornadoes touched down, obviously like smaller than the one that you went through. But every time that I hear that type of thing, I do think back to that because I wasn't obviously around in 1979, but I couldn't imagine that either. Just yeah, and that was a whole story, right? So you were in your car and you got through it. Yeah, well, the, you remember I got married in June. Out, uh, out to where my uh, where she lived and stuff that day, and we got married at a place called Tavistock, which is, is north of Woodstock at all. And 
uh, her parents were farmers, mm -hmm. so we had a, a celebration. We didn't have a dance, uh, but we had a celebration at their house up that day. And uh, we had, had bought in our own home, just uh, outside of Woodstock. And uh, two months later, um, in August, all of a sudden, uh, I'm working. And, of course, your mom's at home by herself. I uh, leave work. Could see that it's really dark north of, Woods north of Woodstock. And I go, oh, God, they're, they're getting a bad storm up that way. And I'm not even mm -hmm. thinking about that. My parents had gone to Europe for a holiday, so they weren't around. So they let us their car. So I had uh, both cars. So your mom had a car at this point. I had my dad's car. I got on the 401. Right, started driving the 401. All of a sudden, the uh, thing started getting uh, pretty dicey. I got close to, closer to the home, and all of a sudden, uh, I stopped the car in the middle of the 401, laid down the seat, didn't know really what was happening. The car started shaking, and uh, and uh, basically, the tornado was, was was passing through, and I was getting the debris, and, and it was quite a scary moment. Stuff that, and at the same time, the tornado probably a little before that it hit, and and hit destroyed the farm. Where yeah, your your parents, your mother and father-in-law. Yeah. yeah, where your mother had grown up, you know, yeah. and uh, destroyed the farm. And yeah, and that's a whole other story chaos. and a tale. Yeah, so yeah. Good, there's yeah. You know, there, there was a chaos at the farm stuff that day, and and uh, basically they were far, they were milking at the time. You know, her mother was in the home, and they luckily got and were safe. They weren't hurt, but uh, quite a bit of damage to the house, the barn, the driving shed stuff that day. So. It was a traumatic period. We were only married less than, you know. Yeah, yeah. right away. That's less, like <laughs> Less than two months, and basically our life was turned upside down. Eh? I know it tossed, yeah, mom's, it tossed mom's wedding dress into a tree, and, and also I remember mom talking about how she, when she did get, finally get to you, she, she was, you know, you could pick glass out of your, your shirt. So yeah. Yeah. And again, these are all these situations that you look back on now, and it's just like, you know, we're so fortunate that, that you guys weren't hurt. Our parents weren't hurt in that tornado, and, that, and then even going back further that, you know, that... Your, your parents chose uh, Canada to, to move to there. And I don't know, it's, it's the fascinating thing about looking back, I think, on, on history. And that's why it's so important to talk about. Yeah, and that's one thing I got from dad is um, an interest in history because you've always been interested. And so you, you were always watching, you know, history documentaries and, and learning about things. And I, um, I, from a young age, I got that from you. But um, yeah, it was the 80s when you had your four children, uh, our older siblings who've been on the show before. And then I, I was born in 84. Um, we did want to ask you about that, Dad, because had you known anybody who was blind before? Had you like even seen anybody around? I know Woodstock had a famous um, unofficial town crier who ended up going blind, but that was before your time. So I don't, I don't recall. Not, not really. I don't think I can remember at all. I'm sure I saw people in wheelchairs or some of that, eh? But I don't remember ever knowing anybody that was blind or deaf. So uh, it, it was a, a, a different uh, time when. Uh, when that happened to Carrie and stuff that day when she was born and uh... yeah so I mean I um I was a couple months old and you guys started noticing I wasn't you know seeing well of course you know, we, had, we, we had two children of course first so, so your mom was, mom was a stay-at-home mom at that time I worked at Woco your mom at that time had, had to re retire from Woco because they couldn't have a husband and wife working at the same store a policy and so right. and mom was happy to do that right we, well yeah, it was a very traditional it was a very traditional childhood for us right like that's how it was yeah. then you know you, you one father had one job and so could support yeah. four kids and, and your wife and yeah mom's... not so easy today is it in some ways as it maybe was back then. I mean it, it was different though because both your you know your, your grandparents you know, Oma and Opa both had jobs so my mother always right. worked at home she never was a stay-at-home mom 
Mm-hmm. But your, your, your mom, of course, could do that. And uh, we could do that. And uh, I was certainly happy to do that. So she spent more time with you at all and, and raised you guys. So obviously having two children first, right? Yeah, she just knew shortly after, <clears throat> after you were born, Carrie, that uh, there was something not right that you weren't, you weren't following things. You weren't looking at the same as, as your, you know, your brother and sister stuff that she, she got worried, of course. And eventually we saw a doctor. Dr. Here Orton. Dr. Orton was the good doctor, one. doctor before that. We, uh, uh, Woodstock, the doctor, eye doctor, stuff like that. And he was more of a, an older, gruff, he was actually a European guy. I can't remember what nationality, but he was a real gruff. And he was, he was pretty, you know, like, and you, of course, were only three months old, I think, at that point, or four months old. So he wasn't very child-friendly. He was more of a puppy adult, and, and he kind of, you know, told us to hold, it, hold your head, and you got to do this, you got to do this, you can't let her do this, and all that. And, of course, you're a baby, so you're just, you know, you're not happy because we're doing this to you also. <laughs> so eventually, of course, he, he obviously sent us to a specialist in London, and Dr. Orton certainly was a big difference from, I can't remember the doctor's name at all, but he was obviously a pediatric eye doctor, so he was, you know, he knew what to do, and it was such a calming influence. Yeah, and we but had him. Know, we even had him right up until I had some more eye difficulty when I was was twelve. There, that I got to see him again. So he was he was around. But it was at that point he gave us the def- the, the diagnosis that uh, that you are blind. He gave us your condition called Leber's genetic, yeah. that you've probably talked about before on your show. Yeah. And uh, he said to confirm it, you'd have to do a test under anesthetic in in the hospital to def- to make sure this definitely was this. Uh, yeah, it was a, I think it was electroretinogram, the ERG. Yeah, that's right. And he, but he was pretty sure what it was. And actually, it was confirmed <clears throat> a few months later in Toronto, six, uh, six kids hospital in Toronto. Uh, our, my sister-in-law at that point worked in a hospital, and she kind of set us up that she could get a second opinion, just because, you know, we always want second opinions to make sure he's not right or wrong, stuff like that. And the doctor in Toronto confirmed without... Uh, then hesitation that it was the same condition and of course i believe in september october that year of 1984 when you were under that uh, exam they definitely confirmed that it was this condition called libris congenital neurosis mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was it was very tough well yeah as a parent you're you're already thinking about what your child's future is going to be and if you don't know anything about blindness what is yeah, that what do you, what do you think, think? Neither one that, you know, your mother or I really saw that at all, eh? So uh, it was it a was very tough time. And the, the, the good part about it is that your mom was a stay-at-home mom and she could, you know, work with you and uh, yeah. play with you more and do things more with her. Because she knew she had to, because you, obviously you were blind. You're not going to be able to see, you know, a lot of things and all that. Uh, and, and be attracted to, to, yeah. to things to move, you know. You don't move the same because you're not incentive to move. You're just, you just going to sit there and all, eh? Where other mm-hmm. children see things so, like they want it and they go, go, Go for it, by You need sounds and you need it's things. It's definitely to even <laughs> more like, obviously, every kid needs, you know, as much connection and, and attachment to their parents as possible. But when you when you are blind, like you say, it makes it, it is even trickier in a lot of ways because you can't see other, other kids around you. So you, you know, Carrie can't see as well to be able to see her two older siblings and what they're doing. And, and it just all of those things sort of does make the experience a little more difficult. So it really did help to have you know, like you say, mom at home, but, but you as well, because you were, you know, like you said, you, you did have to work to support the, support the family and you were happy to do it, but you, you were also still around, you know, it's not like when you were out of done work, you were going out all the time or something. You were always around 
as as our father and always there for us and well, for you know, sure just, I, it would have been, would have been i would have not have felt obviously to do that but yet, you know yet, we've gone through this together your mom and me and stuff that day and you know it was tough you know i i uh i asked a lot of times why yeah but uh, and everybody yeah, asks that everybody asks that in in times like that and and sure they do. There's but the, the, the other thing that I think about is, you know, a lot of times families, you hear about these things and it, and it pulls families apart because it is hard. And, and it, I get that everyone has such different circumstances. You know, sometimes people wouldn't have the, 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 the luxury to have their mom to be able to stay at home and, and, and give that extra time to the children. Like there's so many factors. But yeah. the fact is that sometimes that stuff pulls families apart. But in, in our case, I think if anything, it brought us even closer together, the blindness. And then when we get into the, this kidney stuff in a, in a minute here, too, which... Which came along yeah, another well, little in the nineties, but I know I know mom. You know, mom was a stay-at-home mom, but uh, she uh, I couldn't have found a better woman. And that's what I want to talk about with Father's Day coming up. It's like you know the time you grow up in, or whatever, and all the pressures you had to support us and work hard for us. But you were not a macho guy. You were, you were. <laughs> A feminist i don't know if I, if you'd ever call yourself that but you know like you guys were a team and you're a team still and and you look to her and that that common phrase ask your mother like that was just a thing you didn't you didn't make all the decisions you you know you worked together on things and you supported yeah. each other in the ways you could and you and you both gave us so much yeah. so much and everything we could have needed so looking back i mean i think you know i mean it's i don't know if it's how you say it but i think your mom was even stronger than i was your mom was a she was a strong woman, stuff that day, and she really kept us together. I think, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. I couldn't have found a better partner. Yeah, and it's you know she has a whole other um, background, and which made her who she is, and 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 so that's why you know marriage. Yeah, you wor need, works it's, like it's that. A, it's a it's a give and take thing, and you work together to 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 make things work out. And like you said, like we talked about earlier, mom came from such a different background. All of her family being around here and not. You know, not her immediate family divorcing like that, and all not these things. Not through a war, that, yeah. Yeah, not not in the, not the same. So these different backgrounds coming together do do include some challenges. But again, if you're, it's just the the both of you that your personalities, you know, they they work together so well that I think it just it really does seem to me like like the perfect match, and uh, it's it's something I I think about and I really do do admire. Yeah. And like we've talked about before in the show that, you know, you could see a little bit of care because actually the day we left Dr. Orton's office, we went and got yourself a little pair of glasses. Yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember glasses when I was little. I also have vague memories of having to wear an eye patch to try and strengthen my left eye was my weaker eye. And, you know, like I have memories of, of eye doctors and a lot of things. Yeah, he thought he could minimize, you know, maximize what you did have stuff that day. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously being a child like that, an infant. Yeah, it was very tough on your mom and me to keep those glasses on you. Of course, you didn't like them lot, eh? but you got used to them at a certain point, and you would wear them quite a bit. And they were they little they had a band, you know, to keep them on your head, so that it went around the back of your head, so that eh? so they were kind of a kind of a cute little pair of glasses, so that eh? and. Uh, but once a kid, once a kid might realize that hey, I'm actually seeing the world more clearly than than maybe it, it hits them and, to and, keep them and on. And it yeah. did do First, that. First, what are these things on my face? And then you, you did they did work because, like we said, Carrie could see a little bit more. Um, yeah, up until I was back then. Up until I was a teenager, I I was low vision, so I learned to read print and braille, and yeah, I I loved colors, but yeah, so I'm I'm sure it was a lot back then on on, on you both in those years, and uh, 
but I only, you know, I have really good memories. And then of course, Brian came along and had the same condition and his vision, you know, his level of blindness is different than mine. So you guys had to learn sort of some new ways of, of, of working with that. But um, yeah, we, we were in a public school and with our siblings and, and it was a good life. You guys taught us about, you know, travel, being curious about the world. You took us places, you know, you, you did things with us. You gave us a nice, not on a farm, yeah, I think but I was just, country life. It was life. on the news recently. I've heard, I heard some story about somebody that never left their town, like their small towns. It was somewhere in the U.S., I think. And I just, I think about that and the fact that we did get these, these opportunities. We, Carrie and I, you, you took us both, you'd taken our older siblings a few years prior, and then you took both of us to, to uh, Germany in, in 1998. And, and these experiences growing up, you know, that not everyone gets to have these experiences. And I just, you know, looking back on that, like we say travel is, is so important because it does give you an idea of what's out there in the world. And, and uh, you know, having disabilities is one, is one minority out there, but then there's also so many other different things that you just wouldn't experience if you're and, you know, we grew up out in this nice place that you guys had out in the country that we, we lived in. So, you know, sometimes you do get sort of isolated there. So it's so great that we did get a chance to get out in the world. And yeah, you, know, you, you, those. you thought it was important to take us to Germany. And we got luckily to meet our great uncle before he died. And so family, you instilled in family and a deep sense of family in us. And because I know that's part of you both. So, so yeah, you know, it was a, it was a pretty idyllic childhood, uh, you know. You know, we don't have time here to get into all the actual things that might have happened, but um, so it was me and Brian, and you guys were getting used to the blindness by this point. Then, uh, when I was 11 or 12, I started feeling ill all the time, and eventually we got a diagnosis of kidney failure. So, what did you think then? Well, we were just thinking, you know, what else can could else happen to our children and stuff that day, you know? Yeah. You know, you start, dealing with, you start dealing with the blindness and stuff that day, it, it feels more. You know, as time goes by, it's more natural. Mom and I were more comfortable. Yeah, we were just like any part of the family. We were, you know, with our siblings and you guys. And yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. Your your mom learned Braille. You know, she learned a Braille. She went to a class uh, every Saturday in Brantford to learn some Braille stuff that day. I unfortunately uh, did not do that. uh, But your mom learned Braille. So, and, and, you know, you know, you were progressing really well. And we wanted to keep you in our public school system. Uh, Obviously, Ross Bedall School in Brantford for the Blind is a half hour away from Woodstock, and there was a, that option, but we wanted to keep you both uh, in, Woodstock, in the, in the yeah. uh, local school stuff that day, and we did that stuff that day, and there's no, nothing saying against Ross Bedall School. That was a choice that some people preferred, and for some people, that was really good, and, and, but for us, we just felt that, uh, that uh, we'd like you to keep you in our public school and stuff that day, and have you home every night and stuff that day, and uh, it worked out really well. But I know it was I know it was the same with Paul. Paul told me recent uh, in the last few years sometime that he had that same kind of reaction when when he got diagnosis of kidney disease. It was like really. Yeah, I think really? that's what we asked, else? We talked about this on the show when we had uh, our older siblings, Paul and Kim, on the show here, and yeah, that was a similar sort of answer that what Paul gave was just you know what now this like how how could this be and and the, 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 I'm not sure I can say this funny part, but uh, when you were experiences care and then. Uh, um, it was the Thursday, and it was the long week Easter weekend. And you guys and we had a plan back. to go to Europe with Kim and Paul. Yeah, that was the story. We we, we had uh, finally got to see a specialist, right? Because our regular doctor uh, set us up for us to see a pediatric specialist who came to Woodstock, I think once a, once a week. He diagnosed you or by, by doing blood work stuff that day, and right away he was quite concerned. Called the doctor in in London and wanted you to go to London right away that day. Mm-hmm. 
And the doctor said, no, it's the, uh, it's the long weekend. Nothing's going to change stuff that day. Leave her till, and we'll see her. On, so I think on Tuesday, uh, right after your, uh, Easter, we took you down to London. The doctor there diagnosed you and told us now you have uh, kidney disease. Mm-hmm. So a whole new set of things to learn, like medications, so yeah, so vitamins. Like, you know, what else could happen there? Like, you know, what, you know, you, you had to deal with this blindness and, you know, you deal with things that, that comes to you. You have to deal with it or, you know, you stick your yeah. hands head in the sand and don't deal with that. Eh? And you have to and do that. And that again shows, also shows the strong, the strong marriage and connection that you have that, you know, that you do have to deal with these things when they come along. And, and it's, it's, it's difficult. I couldn't imagine. I I'm not a parent. I don't, I can't imagine what that would be like, but at the same point, you want the best for, for your kids and you want to make things the best you can. So you, the important thing is to, you know, work together and, and talk about these things with each other and, and, and figure out the best ways to, to approach it. And, and like Carrie said, the, the tough part about it is that we had a trip planned to Europe. It was a three, three week bus tour and a trip to, to Germany after that to see some family, but only with Brian or with Paul and Kim, our two oldest ones, because they obviously were older. And we were planning on doing, you know, you guys when you got a little bit older and could maybe appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. So now we're going, we have this all booked and ready to go. And this was in April when the, the diagnosis was, and I think we were leaving, I think sometime a week or two later. And the doctor said, you know, staying no. home is not going to do anything. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to change. You're not going to, you know, nothing's going to happen to you at all. Eh? With the time we're gone at all, eh? it was just obviously the fact that we had to leave, you know, at this time, this trying time and all. Eh? Yeah. But we kind of thought about it quite hard. And, you know, sometimes we were. Sometimes we wonder if we made the wrong decision, right? That we should have left you at all, eh? But uh, mm-hmm. uh, he assured us that, you know, you should go, right? Because Yeah, he, 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 made, he, made, he made the, like, he was really that kind of guy, you know? He, yeah, he was, a, he was a great doctor, too, at all. Dr. Orton, or Dr. Um, Hurley, I should say. Hurley, yeah. Yeah, Dr. it was Hurley. Doctor. And he was a great yeah. doctor, too, at all, eh? And, of course, he was pediatric, too, of course. So he dealt with children all the time, and. And, and that's what uh, I wanted to say is that I, I've been lucky. I've been privileged, even though I've gone through these things with your support, plus the great healthcare system that I had. I mean, I don't know when I hear stories today about how things are, maybe it's changed, but. When you're a child, there's definitely a different type of care, right? Than when you're, when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. So to get into the, the pediatrics and have, and have those doctors and even them, <laughs> they can be hit and miss sometimes. Yeah. But, like they have art yeah. therapy and they had like clowns that would like, yeah, it's a different environment than when you're an adult in hospital. Exactly. And, yeah. But, and to talk about, you know, my, that, that first doctor, I mean, I don't want to make paint him out as a, as a bad guy at all. He was just a, a, a more of a gruff guy. And he wasn't used yeah. to children. That age. No, for sure. Everyone's so when, different. So when we saw the pediatric guys, it was like, uh, they just knew how to treat and how to, how to handle children more. I think, you know, it was basically easier stuff that day. And we couldn't have got better. All the doctors we've had, you know, we've had yeah. great it's really <clears> true. over the years, you know, for all your, you know, and we have, I don't know if you've even discussed your scoliosis problem, but. All doctors, every doctor your moms have been great doctors and all. We've had a great time knowing these doctors and what they do. And you can't get, you know, the medical system for, for our family, for through this whole journey, for all your conditions. We could not have asked for. Yeah, Sick Kids is, is a, it was like the best place to be for kids having kidney transplants. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, you know, this, like Brian said, this, these experiences bonded our family in a way that a lot of families don't have, even though it's trying times, as you say, it, it also makes you stronger as a, as a family unit. And so we have this connection that. Cause you have to remember, right. We have to think about Paul and Kim too at all. I mean, they you yeah. know, are dealing with 
this too at all. It's not them personally because it's not affecting, you know, their own, their, their bodies. But, you know, so to just to say, we're not going to stop. We're going to cancel this trip stuff that day. No. We that. Yeah, it's a and big we have lots of people to look after decision. you guys. You know, your, your grandparents, both on both sides, right? Uh, some friends, stuff that day. So well, it was a character building you, experience. Like family. Yeah, like, and, and we were lucky that we did have, you know, like you say, like a big network of people around here that, that we did know and trust that did, did look after us. And of course, we're young kids and Carrie going through everything that she was going through. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but. And that's what Dr. Curley said. You know, you're going to have lots going on when you get back. So yeah, take a little and, bit of yourself, stuff that because you're going to have a little bit, a little bit of a journey, a little more of a journey to deal with this uh, kidney thing at all. Eh? So, and he was right. You know, we, by that, uh, by that June, we learned how to do home dialysis for you, Carrie. And uh, with it, I was going to say, if you felt like you you weren't a part of things when I was growing, you know, when dealing with my blindness in those early years, you were you were there all the time. I mean, I, I guess Walmart at the time, it had changed to Walmart by then. Uh, they were pretty great those years, you know, at the time anyway, supporting your like, get, you know, don't get raising money for us and 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 giving you some time off. So you were there for all my dialysis training sessions or most of them. And and you you wanted to know, even though you know, mom did a lot of the actual care, you were always there. She wanted to to be in on things and know what was going on. So then then you all came back from Europe, the, our parents here, dad and, and mom and our brother and sister. And then, you know, about a year after that is when Carrie got her, her transplant. So I guess soon after you came back, I'm not exactly sure the timeline. And when you found out about that, that you could give Carrie a, a kidney and how that whole process went. But that's a whole other Big decision for, for somebody to make. And well, you know, the big decision was the doctor. The doctor talked about living, uh, uh, you know, transplant stuff that day. And that uh, obviously the best of their parents stuff that day. So mom and I decided, you know, that I would be the one to give the kidney to carry. If it, everything worked out, uh, they have to do a whole bunch of tests, of course. And they test both of us to make sure that, you know, in case, you know, something would be wrong. Because at that point, Brian, they were expecting that your kidney was going to be the same thing. And right, that, just like the blindness in the '80s. I mean, I guess yeah. after Carrie was born, it was a little because different. Because the blindness, but stuff that they, uh, they they knew that up the same, yeah. And they actually, I think they actually did a, a biopsy of your kidney to see to make sure, and they knew yours was going to be still a couple of years away. But they didn't want me to give a kidney to Carrie and then find out I would have been bad match for you. Yeah. So they checked to make sure that we both be so matched. That, you guys. That just goes to show there how in detail they looked at, look into these things, and and you know, like you say, test both of you to make sure that they don't yeah. give Carrie the one that. That I would match sure. better with, and vice versa. Sure. And it's anyway, mom. I decided we decided between mom and me that that I would be the first one to do it. Stuff that day, I guess I just felt strongly that I wanted to be the first one. And you know, obviously, if we could have decided that, and mom could have decided to do it the other way. But anyway, you know, they did test quite a bit of tests on me, and of course, they did a lot of tests of you. And before your transplant, I think, I believe in January of '97, we, we were down in Toronto, sick kids for like four days, and they were doing extensive tests on you, Carrie. To make sure that you were ready, and uh, of course, at the same time in London, they were doing tests on me to make sure I was healthy enough. Or of course, they have to make sure that I'm healthy enough to give a kidney, right? And uh, everything seemed to work fine, stuff that day. And uh, we had and the by, kidney sur surgery booked for, for. Actually, remember we had it booked for May. Yes. And, and I, uh, I, I had a seizure, and it had to be postponed. That was fun. Yeah, and uh, so they, they, they delayed it till June the fifth. And, but I was uh, worried after that it would take a long time to reschedule, and it, it was like less than a month. It was amazing. Yeah, no, it, it went. It's, I was worried too at all eh, because I had to, you know, tell the, you know, work that I had to take off, you know, three months to recover and do the surgery stuff that day, and it delayed stuff at all. Eh, so yeah. Anyway, it got you know, that scheduled pretty quickly, and uh, June the fifth was the 
Drake's birthday. So a big day for us and all, I think, as a family. And mm-hmm. as, of course, you carry stuff that age. And uh, I, I find it weird when I, when I say this and all to people at all when we talk about this, but I could go through it again, you know. I, not, not all the pain and the, 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 you know, the things we had to go through medically, but just I, I, I could live, relive that at all. Just, and I think that's maybe but I think that's kind of weird, but I just, it was such a great day for me. Listen, it's like you never got the opportunity, obviously, to give birth to the children. That was mom's job. And, sure. and I know a lot of women say that same thing. Like, you know, you forget the pain. You would go through it again. It, it was for a good cause and you were doing it for someone you love. And, it, you know, it got you someone you love or made someone you love better, feel better. And so, of course, but most people wouldn't know. You know, besides getting married and having, you know, four great children, uh, four, four grandchildren and stuff that day and having two... Uh, son-in-law and a daughter-in-law it was one of the greatest days of my life mm-hmm. and uh, I, like i said i could go i could i could do it all again if i had to go I, you know if i had to live it back you know 25 years ago I, it was a great experience and a great uh, you know i mean people might think that's kind of weird but it is you know just because of what i did and i thought i'm helping my daughter out to have a better you know to live better stuff that day because dialysis is not something you want to be on especially as a child stuff that day you know and, and it was just something that was so it's such a momentous day, you know, for the whole family, of course, not that day, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. We we almost turned it into a vacation because if our family was able to come, our, si- our sister and brother and, and, and mom's parents. And it was, it was. We, Ronald you know, McDonald House there in Toronto. And it was, it, was, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun time. And it, I was, it was, you know, I was going into this, but I was also a kid and Carrie going through all this first you know, in a way I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't nervous about what I would have to go through eventually pretty much inevitable. And even by the time Carrie got her transplant, I would say, but at the same time, I was, you know, I was just a kid and it was fun to go to Toronto and and hang out with everyone and, and do this. So while there was a lot of pain that you both went through in 97 there, it was also a very fun family experience that we sure enjoyed i'm sure all the helplessness that a parent feels when their child is sick it gave you something that you felt like you could do something and so i get that that's what it was it was something that i guess sometimes i felt that you know because your mom was a stay-at-home mom and she really was there every day with you guys more you know i went to work stuff that day i was you know still i was home at night stuff that all that but still i felt i don't know a connection that i thought i needed to to do this and of course i would have you know if i would have done it with you care as we all know, Brian had to have a translator on. I possibly could have done it for Brian. So I would have both of us got the experience. And obviously, two years later, your mother had that experience too at all. Eh? So the tough part was that when, when we had the surgery then is that you were at Sick Kids Hospital and across, I had to have mine done at Toronto General, which was across the road. Yeah. So that is, was, we were in the same hospital. So and I think, what, two days after, I think, I got well in a wheelchair. I got wheeled over to the uh, to your room and stuff that day. And uh, we had our connection of course you were still hooked up in all your you know your monitors and stuff that day and it was uh, it was a it was a great uh, day when i saw you because obviously i wasn't there right it was easier for you to come to me than for me to go to you at that moment yeah, that's for sure yeah it was uh, it was a little bit of painful because you had to go on the you know yeah, the wheels across the street yeah, stuff yeah. that day but uh, bumpy street it, it couldn't have been the you know i couldn't i didn't feel any pain because when i saw you it was uh, it, it was a great day it was a great day it's a tough day, you know, and painful, and it was pain, right? Stuff that day, especially, I'm sure, for you at all, eh? you know, you know, for me, I'm an adult, stuff that, but you're still only, you know, 
You're only, 13, you're only 13 years old, so you're still pretty young. And it's uh, but the big the big thing there is that we had supportive parents that were around with us when when we were going through these things and carry, you know, when you were going through all of that, whereas not everyone has that and that that experience isn't easy for anyone. But especially if you don't have the support and you don't have that, I could, couldn't imagine how even harder it would have been. So and I just know that if we were in like another country like the U.S. with the healthcare system there, I would have felt more guilt because of all the money it might have cost you guys to get our medications and our surgeries. So I was grateful to be here in Canada at the time. And and yeah, I mean, I can't believe now it's been 25 years. I'm so happy for for both of you that that Carrie, that you've been you know so lucky and that this kidney has been working for so long for you. And yeah, what do you, you know, think? Unfortunately, that, I wasn't think? I wasn't so lucky, but that's you know, that's just it's not going to work out for everyone for as long. But. I still got that the kidney from from my mom as well, and that's something I, you know, and, be and, and her, grateful for. And, and her kidney gave you eleven years, so that her kidney so did. You know, yeah, that's still. It did, you know, did you know a, a great thing at all too at all, and it was something that uh, it made your life, you know, your 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 you know your teenage years a little spend, easier, a little easier. Yeah, I didn't have sure. to spend my teen years all on dialysis for years for sure. waiting for a kidney from the list, right? So, you know, but what do you, what do you think's let me last twenty five years, Dad? What do you think? What do you think? the reason is for that do you have any feeling about that luck or i don't it's just luck i think right because like i said your mother's only lasted 11 years and brian basically got to have a little problem maybe before that but uh, you know 25 years and you know so isn't what's the actual norm for kidney care that's never that long is it like it's like, it's like 15 for like more like yeah. so you've got to wait yeah. definitely above, above average there Yours is way past that. Brian's, you know, but we met somebody when we had a reunion there a couple of years ago at Sick Kids Hospital, didn't it? Somebody that had, had theirs back. And at that point was, they would have had theirs for what, 40 years or something like that care? Or? Yeah. Someone's made 40 years. And so I'm, I'm hoping to get there. It's a little tense every year at this time, even though for 25 years, I feel like I, I do like to celebrate around this time. Usually every year, the last several years, I've done something to celebrate. Um, but you know, it's also a tense time because I do feel the pressure to have that keep working and because you gave it to me and it's a part of you that it's made us closer and it's connected us in a, in a way that most fathers and daughters don't have. And I, you know, I'm worried about losing that someday. Um, but I just try to be grateful while I have it. And that's, that's, you know, that's, it's, that's something that's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We can't, we can't prevent mm -hmm. it. We, we obviously we could try to prevent it by doing everything that you're doing, keep your kidneys healthy, but, uh, it's just sometimes it's just the, the luck of the draw and that's it, it how won't it last forever no and it won't last forever yeah. hopefully it lasts another you know 20 years another 25 up. years you never know we, we want you to be maybe the the uh, the all-time leader in the history of uh, transplants at your class care but we don't know this we know that we've uh, we've been lucky that uh, we've had great medical care for all your conditions for the whole uh, time that you know you've had to deal with your blindness your your kidneys your scoliosis stuff that day so uh, we couldn't have asked for better. You know, the medical profession are, uh, to me, they're the, 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 the great people in this world. Yeah, more than athletes. Because you've always been a sports fan, right, Dad? And, and, you know, you hear about how much athletes make, and sometimes it's like, wow, well, I mean, doctors, well, are, doctors are the real heroes in, in the world. They're the real. Yeah. In my mind, yeah, the doctors, nurses, you know, those nurses. Uh, nurses too, yeah. You can't uh, say much for them at all. They, they just, they're, I know I just have so much respect for the medical profession, you know, you know, like anybody, there's, you know, not every, 
person in the world is great stuff today. There are some doctors that, you know, maybe aren't as good as other ones, but of that for whatever reason. But uh, I think we can't complain about our medical, you know, at least in our situation. I, mean, I don't know other people's situation. You know, when you hear of other people's, you know, medical stuff and all that, that don't work out. But, but medicine is not a 100% science, right? You're not mm-hmm. going to get anything right. You know, exactly. it's, a, yeah. it's a gamble. It's a gamble. And they, they're not right always either at all. Eh? So you got to trust the doctor. The stakes, are, the stakes are just so high. We're sure they are. I mean, this is, you know, we're talking life and death. You're not talking a baseball game or some of that, eh, where mm-hmm. team loses. Right, That's sad for the, for the, ta- for the team and the, and the fans. But, you know, life goes on. Eh? But it, medical stuff is, is uh, as we know from, you know, for your conditions and, and what we see in the world, you know. And, you know, we met many people that, that when we went to Toronto at, at the Ronald McDonald House at, mm-hmm. you went, they're worse off than us. You know? Yeah, you get perspective the more you're around and the different people that we did meet throughout being in the hospital so many times growing up and everything, you'd meet so many people with such different situations that, you know, the average person that doesn't deal with these things as a child, you know, you, you might not, you wouldn't have those experiences and those, those perspectives. So you definitely learn so much from, from all of this stuff. And But, uh, you know, you, you, you too, I mean, I love all my children stuff today, but you two are real heroes because, you know... Uh, because of what you've gone through it all, and it's not easy to do this, especially when you're a child, stuff that I had to go through, all the medical stuff that you had to go through it all. And, and, uh, and you had two brothers and sisters who uh, were really good to you, too, at all. They, they looked after you and mm-hmm. cared, for you, cared for you so much at all, and, uh, and you had uh, the best mother. But it's because of both of you. You both taught all of us what's important in life and to take care That's of each the- other. That's the point. Without, without you two, if it was just, you know, the four of us with, with no, no parents around or e- easily available at that point, like, who knows what, what could have happened? It would have been much more difficult. So without that, then, then it would have been much harder for Carrie and I, I think, to kind of conquer well, like, or whatever. You, I don't know what you want to call it, but. Like they, like they said, there's nothing, there's nothing more important than family, right? Uh, couldn't have got uh, a better family. You know, I love you all. And, uh, your mother was the greatest mother, you know, and wife that I could ever hope for. And you four children, you know, are the are, are great children stuff that day. And uh, I've been, I'm proud of uh, how about you guys have uh, grown up, you know, and how much you all love each other still. And, uh, you know, any siblings, you know, you know, Paul is in Toronto. So, you know, we don't see him as much stuff that day as we do, you know. You know, you, have, you see Brian and we see Brian and, and Kim and, and you know, just outside of Wisconsin. Yeah, you guys are. Yeah. You're often coming to London every week to help Carrie get to Outlook so we can host our show. So we see you quite a bit then. And Yeah, but speaking of transplants, we're celebrating this 25 years by going to a whale exhibit at the Rome. Uh, when this airs, we'll have already gone. So we're doing that with, you know, s- some of the family who are able to be there. I mean, like you said, our brother in Toronto and his two kids are going to be there and meet us there. And uh, it's, you know, I love whales. So that's why I picked that. But I just want to yeah spend this weekend with you guys and... Um, I'm so grateful for everything you've given us and everything that the medical system has has done for me and where I am with Brian doing this show uh, every Monday, every week. And yeah, I mean, we could have a whole other episode about a lot of these topics because it's family and all these other things. And it is Father's Day season being being that it's June here. And uh, so, yeah, that's why we wanted to feature you today. And and I know, you know, you get some stage fright, but um, we really appreciate that you came yeah. on today. And the, the, you know, I'm an, I'm an emotional person, stuff that day, and that's when they, you know, that's something different from my father. My father never showed that emotion, stuff that day, and he he held it inside. I think a lot, eh? 
Yeah. Where I have a hard time doing IUIs, I'm, as people can tell. You have a hard time I'm, keeping it inside? Yeah. I mean, keeping it inside. I'm, I'm very emotional. I cry a lot stuff that day. And I never did see my dad ever cry. So not that that was a thing. I guess my father, but. Uh, no, no. You know. And that's what I'm trying to point out. And but that, that's what you taught us. You taught us about emotion and that it's okay and that it's hard, but it's okay because it's human. I do really, in a lot of ways, appreciate that because it does make things seem more authentic and real and that we're not hiding things. We're not keeping things in that we are, we can communicate and be honest with each other. And we don't feel like we have to hide things from each other. And I just, you know, it's, it's something that I really do appreciate. Like you say, even though it is hard, sometimes you, you want to be this come off as a strong type person. But I also think it's that society thing about, oh, men being manly and stuff. And I yeah, just don't what like is, what is, what is it? What, I don't. what does it mean to be strong? Does it mean not, never yeah. showing emotion and keeping everything in and then it's going to explode? Or does it mean crying if you feel like it and showing people that you are, you know, are feeling things deeply? So, and you know, it's just how people are, stuff like that. But, you know, somebody that doesn't cry doesn't mean they're not. Some people don't cry, some people do, but you know, it, it's just the way people are, are, are made, stuff, I guess. And, uh, and uh, it's just how people react, I guess, at all. And that's, that's who I am. And that's what, you know, I can't change that. And stuff like that, eh? and, uh, but everyone has emotions. That's but, one thing oh, for sure. you have. But I, I just, I want to, I do honor you every month, every, every month, of course, but every June, every Father's Day, every June 5th now. Because, you know, I not only have the life I have because you and mom had me in the first place, but that, you know, you gave me this chance that, you know, I've gone through other things since obviously life happens, but, um, you know, I know what it's like to feel ill with kidney failure and, and it's to not have to deal with that every day. It's, mm-hmm. you take that for granted, but I, I, I'm grateful for the life I have now. And that's led us to this very moment. So but like, you know, just to close off here, like I remember an old movie I used to see and the father and son have a confrontation and stuff like that. And it's basically the objects of us was that I brought you into this world. I know. I have to do everything I can for you. And that's just my job. You know, it's nothing that it's nothing to look up to at all. You know, I should, I don't get any praise out of this at all. I did it because I'm a father. I have to do it. But it is a lot of fathers are not there for their children. And it's because of course, because of what they go through, but it's, you know, you, it isn't, it does. It's you know we don't take it for granted the work that goes into being a father who's just solid and and dependable and would do anything for his children and that's you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, you're painting a picture probably that it's a little more uh, rosy because I have my faults too and also. Uh, well, yeah, we all do. Well, I think I think it's a common thing too. Maybe in a lot of our family here that we we can sometimes be a little bit self like critical i'm quite critical of myself a lot with things and and well it's what we were talking hard on ourselves we were talking about that with heather hutchison last week about needing more self-compassion for ourselves because we're with ourselves all the time and if we can't be good to ourselves it's hard to you know communicate well and deal well with others because you're always you know always struggling with that but you know it has been a thing in our family and uh you know i know it's not easy because i experience it too and the tough part was that we, uh, you know, as a family, had to go through it again with Brian. So it was, uh, you know, we, uh, I guess we. Uh, it's like Groundhog I Day. We, I guess, yeah. We have kind of, I guess. We, we learned from movies, the first yeah. then, you know, from Brian's, you know, from your uh, adventure care. And, uh, and obviously Brian felt, you know, followed your path in a lot of things in the same way and stuff that day, you know. But that's but, just uh, bring, brought, brought us closer. And, and now seeing you with your grandkids, it's just like it's the best thing I've, I've, I've ever seen, <laughs> seeing you with them. And, you know, hopefully fingers crossed they're going to be healthy and good uh, but um it's just it's a great time right now to see you and mom with them and the relationship you have with them because it makes me remember mine with my grandparents and it's just mm-hmm. lovely to see 
So happy Father's Day. You know, yeah, being happy, a grandfather, father. Everything. Happy Father's Day and, you know, love you. And thanks so much for, for coming on Outlook here today. We really, really love having you on as, as our guest today. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm uh, sorry if I got a little bit emotional a few times all the way, but um, stuff real, about real life. Stuff about, you know, because, you know, as a father, as a person, stuff like that, I love you guys so much at all. Eh? I love everybody my family stuff that day and uh, I wish you know the whole world could be you know more 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 love than uh, that we see in the world sometimes at all eh? because if everybody everybody looked at their family the same way as they see the rest of the world uh, the world would be a better place well happy father's day to you again and to everyone and we're going to celebrate this momentous 25 year mark and uh, I'm going to keep working to keep this kidney as best I can. And uh, yeah, ha happy Father's Day to all of you out there. If you're listening, if you're fathers, say happy, happy Father's Day to your fathers. Um, when, when you see them, you know, be grateful while you have and them. I, and, just, uh, uh, you know, I also know that it is tough. Some people out there that don't have fathers mm -hmm. that are still yeah, around. Yeah, it can be, a, Father's it can be Day a hard day. Can, can also be a tough time for some people. So to anyone out there that is struggling around this time, you know, it is it is tough out there. And yeah, it's go not, easy, it's go not easy, easy on for yourself. everyone. So, so mm -hmm. yeah, just... Try and try and try and be easy on yourself, like we say. Try not to be to be too hard on on yourself. And but I guess that does it for today, huh, Brian? Yeah, I'd say so. That's a big discussion here today on Outlook. Thanks again to our father for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Send us an email. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.